Well, good morning to all of you. It is good to be here. I remember about 10 years ago when I first came to the cathedral for my very first Trinity Sunday sermon, I had behind my back hidden three balls that were for juggling. And I remember as that hymn was going on before the sermon and the reading of the gospel, I kept saying to myself, I actually wonder if Trinity is willing to accept a bishop who is just about to juggle in order to teach you something about the Trinity. And the blessing of my life is that you did accept me and welcomed me in, and you didn't think me quite the fool for believing that maybe you could learn something about the Trinity from juggling. This Trinity Sunday is now my last as your bishop. Next year, a number will be with you, another will be with you in this role of diocesan bishop. So let me say thank you for the last 10 years. Thank you to Dean Nathan and the staff of the cathedral for all of your help. You have been a blessing to me in this ministry. Thank you also for welcoming my wife Marla into your midst as a parishioner and giving her a church that she can call home. Her help has, has been and continues to be a great wonder and blessing to me in this role of diocesan bishop. Now this is not the way I had hoped to end my time as your bishop, preaching in an empty cathedral into a camera, one of which I assume is on, a camera that is attached to you by the internet. This is not the kind of last Trinity Sunday because I will not be able to watch baptisms or experience confirmations and reaffirmations in this place this day. And this is not the sermon that I would like to preach. I would have liked to have been able to preach a sermon filled with lighthearted remembrances of the years gone by and the hope for a blessed future in this wonderful place we call Oregon. But we do not get to choose the times in which we live and we must confront the things that we are given to deal with and that we encounter. Years ago, William Sloan Coffin said, the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So it is with love that I seek to speak a word of truth. So let us be clear, before St. John's in Lafayette Square, there was a peaceful protest. And before the protest, there was the murder of George Floyd. And before his murder, there was the murder of Amen Abri. Before that, there were countless other black and brown men and women killed in the name of white supremacy. And before that, there was segregation. And before that, there was slavery. And before slavery, there stands the legacy of our inhumanity to each other, stretching back to the story of Cain and Abel. When George Floyd said, I can't breathe, he was stating what his fellow black and brown men and women have said for far too long. I can't breathe. This environment is toxic. So let us be clear. 
the Holy Scriptures of the Hebrew people and the New Testament of the Bible tells us to live a different life. When asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus quoted from his Holy Scriptures, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he added, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, the outcast. It's the person in the ditch who has been beaten up and robbed and left for dead. It's the man or woman sitting on the street corner with a sign that asks for money. It's the person selling street routes outside this cathedral on normal Sunday mornings. It's those who come to the food pantry during the week. It's the homeless people that live down the hill from my home in North Portland. It is all of the people who serve in minimum wage jobs. My neighbor are those in prison neighbor, especially right now, is the black community who are crying out again. I can't breathe. This environment is toxic. And what is it that I am to do for my neighbor? Bind his wounds, take him and tend to his needs, and do all that is necessary to bring him back to health. The wounds we are in America are suffering today are deep and they are deadly. And they are the wounds that have come to us from all of the moments before this moment and that have led us to a place of national reckoning. And they are the wounds that will not be healed quickly or easily. It will take the work of all of us to move from here to a new place of peace and justice and equality it will take your work, and it will take mine. Thank you, Dean Nathan, for the words you said the other day on the internet, talking about how it is that we need to acknowledge as white people our privilege. So let me start today in just a small fact I want to share with you. It's something I learned recently from one of the communicants at St. Philip the Deacon Church here in Portland. We have in the diocesan office a old picture frame from the days of the fourth bishop of Oregon. And it has photographs of some 22 congregations around the diocese and a few photos in the middle of the institutions like St. Helens Hall and Good Samaritan Hospital here in Portland. Each of the photos has under it the name of the congregation or institution that it represents. And so you see the words, St. Andrews, Portland, Holy Spirit in Sutherland, St. Stephen's in Newport, Christ Church in St. Helens. This particular piece does not include Trinity in Portland because that was a list of mission churches and Trinity at that time was a parish. Trinity was a parish at the time of Bishop Sumner's Episcopacy. There is one congregation, however, and only one, that has a few little extra words attached to it. It says, colored work, St. Philip's, Portland. It's the only church identified with a racial marker. 
person who told me of this said that removing the words is not the issue. It is the work of acknowledging them that is necessary. It is the work of acknowledging our complicity in the place we have gotten to. It is our work as white men and women to acknowledge that we benefit from the world we have created. It is the work of dismantling the racism that is all around us. So if you are white and privileged, it will be the work of acknowledging your own racism and repenting of it and working to forge a new narrative. And it is daily work that needs to be done now. If you want to know where to start, you might look online at 75 things white people can do for racial justice. Now some of those 75 are relatively easy. Read a book, see a particular movie, talk to your friends about what you have read or seen. Some of the 75 are more challenging, like figuring out what the rules are that are used by the police in your area when arresting someone. Some require even more work, like talking to your legislatures in your area, advocating for reform, writing, speaking, praying, conversing, changing. In this diocese, we have something we now call the Commission to End Racism. That's a commission that was started way before my time, and when I got here, was changing its narrative. The narrative before had been the conversation between those who are white and those who are black. People at that time, 10 years ago, wanted to change that narrative so that it was about black and white, but also about our Latino brothers and sisters and our Native Americans, and about the need for diversity. That was good work, but it walked us away from the conversation between black and white. It's time to make a change. It's time for that commission to refocus its ministry and to do the work of reconciliation, to do the work of acknowledging racism, to do the work of changing the world we have fashioned. It is time to acknowledge our diversity. It is time to listen to our neighbors as they cry, we can't breathe. This environment is toxic. In the gospel today, we hear Jesus say to his disciples, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So remember, we do not do this work alone. God is present here in this cathedral. God is present in the people who are a part of the life of the Episcopal Church in Oregon. God is present in you listening today. God's call is to love, and to justice, and it is ringing in our ears. This week, I found a quote from the Reverend Dr. Yolanda Pierce, who is the director of the Center uh, for Black Church Studies and the Associate Professor of Religion and Literature 
at Princeton Theological Seminary. She penned these words, and they were at the end of a larger piece, and that larger piece was called Being Open to the Pain. I invite you to look for the larger piece. But at the very end, she says, God, in your mercy, show me my own complicity in injustice. Convict me for my indifference. Forgive me for when I have remained silent, equip me with a zeal for righteousness. Never let me grow accustomed or acclimated to unrighteousness. This is a prayer I pray today for you, for this cathedral, for this nation, for our world. There is work to be done. We can't breathe, none of us, but especially our black and brown friends. They can't breathe. The environment is toxic. Amen.